Hello, and welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's August the 4th, 2023, and this is episode number negative four. More on that in a moment. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about Tesla being accused of suppressing driving range complaints, seven automakers coming together to create a brand new charging network, and the Tesla takeover, and of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the extraordinary Mr. Tom Malogny, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. And of course, Kyle Connor joins us from the majestic, practically palatial halls of Autospec Studios, where he produces high voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. So, hey there, everybody. Good to see you all. Hello, good morning. It is the first batteries included show, but you said negative four. So negative what's that four. all about? <laughs> all right. So this is we're gonna have a so this is a new podcast. Uh, I think our viewers, some of our viewers out there will remember us. We were uh, had a podcast previously on uh, Inside EVs, and they were they were great. We, they really helped us get our start, and we've been there for like a number of years now. Uh, but we really need to kind of move in a new direction and we want to take it independent. So here we are. Um, people will know that I've worked with them before. And so I, I, you know, I've cut my ties with them. And it was just like a brand new venture for us out on our own, brave new world. Uh, yeah. So some changes will be happening sometime. We'll have a, a, maybe a midweek show with some interviews and things uh, on, the on a more regular basis. And yeah. Tom. So what Kyle was talking about, why is it, why did, why is this a negative four? Uh, and right, right, right. and, and that's really that. because we're um, uh, we're really planning on doing the full launch of the, our new show with all four of our podcast buddies here in first week in September. And right now it's the first week in August. So the next four shows that we're going to do, some of us, I'm going to be going on vacation. Martin can't be here right now. So we're really going to do the full on first show on September. So these are just tune ups the first four weeks, but we didn't want to leave you guys hanging without any of your uh, weekly EV news and to see our ugly mugs for an hour or so. So that's why we're doing, these are just tune up shows, but we're so happy to be able to bring this new podcast batteries included in you, you, the many of our followers following us on the inside EVs podcast for years, this is going to be that and better. So stay tuned. We're, we're really excited to uh, bring a new show to you guys. Right. Yeah. And I, go ahead, Dominic. Sorry. I was just going to throw out really, really quick that you can keep up with us on all the regular socials, battery included podcast, Twitter, Facebook, threads everywhere. Yeah. It's now X. Oh, right. You can't say Next. Twitter anymore. No, I, I, it, we're, it'll always be Twitter. <laughs> Zitter. 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 Yeah. I think we're calling tweets yeets. So we're trying to come up with all the oh. correct terminology here. But I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. But so excited. We finally got the show in our own hands. Uh, you know, and, and of course, the four of us back together again. We're going to be able to do so much more with this new uh, arrangement. It's going to be amazing. And yeah, like like Tom was saying, midweek shows. So, you know, this was a great, you know, very low key way to start the show. Uh, you know, first four episodes, just us hanging out. The launch, like Tom and Dominic mentioned, it will be in the first week of September 2023. Uh, if you're watching this deep into the future and it's uh, freaking amazing that we are continuing everything we've built up for the last few years under our uh, own control. And now we can do like cool stuff. So if you want uh, certain guests on the show, comment below with who you think we should bring on, because they're, they're, we're going to, you're going to see some like a little bit of uh, changes from us over the next few weeks, perhaps different lengths of show, different styles of show, but our Friday morning podcast will always be the same. That is the staple. We all wake up early Friday morning and do the show. But we're going to also do some midweek things where we'd love to hear who should be on the, the podcast with us. We want to talk to experts. We want to talk to EV owners. Uh, we want to talk to battery folks, especially the name of the, the show, Batteries Included. I want to learn about batteries. So put down below who we should have on, who's an expert, who can help our audience learn should be pretty epic. Oh, I just want to mention too that so this this particular episode is not live, but we will be returning to that format next week, I believe. So this is uh, this is like a soft opening. 
if YouTube lets us. Yeah, if YouTube lets us. They, they should. We'll, we'll try to get that all straightened out. Yeah. Okay. So make all sure right. you subscribe to the uh, our uh, Batteries Included podcast uh, on YouTube because uh, the number of subs does help us get uh, YouTube to let us uh, go live. Yeah, and, and hit that thumbs up. All right. So do we want to talk about some what we've been driving this week? Yes. I guess we could do some news. Yeah, or some news. I'm not <laughs> no, sure we well, should Paul. go first. Actually, I wanted to send this little message out to I saw this on, on Twitter that uh, we have this uh, one special listener, Janice Couch. I wanted to send a shout out to. Thanks for watching us all the time. We really appreciate your, your viewership and we hope you're doing well. And yeah, so uh, yeah, so we, we want to talk about a little news or we want to talk about what we've been driving. Let's talk about like experiential stuff. Yeah. Ultimately, okay. this show isn't live. It's like the new stuff might get up late, but let you know the stuff we have been driving, we've driven that. That'll be relevant into the future. Okay. Well, I wanted to hear about because uh, I know you've been, you've finally driven the, the uh, Cadillac Lyric, Kyle, and I really want to get your impressions of that. You've driven a few things, but this is like the one thing in the top of my mind uh, that I, I want to hear about. So yeah, so this was uh, not like a a loan from General Motors. It was like a, a customer car, but, but low, low mileage, right? Yeah. So, uh, and Tom knows this too, because Tom recently made some videos with Lyric and they're just, um, they did the first drive, I want to say six or eight months ago, a long time ago, and they still have not made their way into the media review pool. So that I don't know where they've just parked all the cars somewhere, but there's no way for us to get one you know we asked gm and they're like well you know we'll get one to you eventually and it just never has shown up so it is the most requested vehicle for us to cover from our side on out of spec reviews and super lucky that we have a great relationship with a dealer group uh in the san jose california area so it's called dgdg it's the same dealer that gave me the coda electric sold you uh, uh, for one dollar yep (laughs) <laughs> and uh, basically gave me a free car, uh, which was pretty amazing. So I still have the Coda, of course. That's going to stick around. And um, need an update on that, by the way. Yeah, we can talk about the Coda for sure. But uh, you know, it's got fifty-six miles on it now. But anyway, I drove the uh, drove the Lyric uh, from them. It was basically in order for them to retail sell Cadillac Lyrics, they need to have one in their service loaner fleet. So if a Lyric has an issue, they can put them in another electric Cadillac because Cadillac doesn't want their customers going into a CT5 or an Escalade or something like this. They want them in EVs. They, GM kind of gets the whole EV thing from the Bolt days where Bolt owners go in for service, you give them a Bolt loaner. Uh, and not every dealer does this, but this is one of the largest EV dealers out there. So this vehicle came in and the dealer group realized, oh, like we actually have to put this in a loaner service. So this is their service loaner. And they said, Kyle, you know, we have this, we have Hummer EV SUV. What other cars do you want? There's a bunch that of course they have. And so they let me take the Lyric for the day and probably could have had it longer. I just, my schedule was pretty tight. So I, ha- I drove it for five hours and, um, you know, Tom's already driven it before and spoken about it previously. And so I'd love to compare and contrast some some stuff, especially from the charging side. Cause I think we had wildly different charging experiences with this vehicle, but overall the the scope of the Lyric is roughly 100 kilowatt hour battery pack, uh, 340 horsepower rear wheel drive. You can get a 500 horsepower all wheel drive one. A V spicy version will come in the future. And, um, you know, it's sort of a nicer than Mach-E, Ionic 5, Tesla Model Y, but not as nice as EQE, IX, or e-tron. So it's like in between the two major classes of electric SUVs and sits in the middle with like Genesis GV70 and Lyric really are the the two that that compete in this, you know, let's just say 60,000 to 80,000, you know, price range or so. And this was 63,000 as tested, which you get a lot of car for 63 grand. You get a very roomy interior, a very interesting looking exterior of the vehicle as well. It's a cool looking car. I, I, I wouldn't say it's attractive, but it is interesting. At least it's a conversation piece. You get wonderful super cruise. This one was the luxury two trim, I believe. So it had, um, 
it had the the range wheels it had the akg sound system and super cruise so it was optioned up pretty well it was a rear wheel drive version which is the least sporty of course so this is the like daily driver range variant i believe same as what tom had uh the 450e is what they branded as also why does cadillac put their branding as newton meters of torque like no one no one talk. It's like the Escalade 600. It's Newton. It's like no one thinks Newton meters of torque is the dumbest way to rate your cars. But anyway, um, yeah, so I drove it around. The video will go up uh, very soon for out of spec. It's a long initial just first drive video. It's going to be an hour long video type situation of just my impressions as I'm finding out about the car. And my initial impressions were quite good. I'm like, you know, there's some plasticky bits here and there and things don't feel perfect, but the leather quality is great. The seats are great. The size of the car is great. And, you know, you can forgive some of the cheaper materials when you remember that it's 63 grand as tested. It's really a good value. Um, but then I took it to a twisty road and I know lyrics are not meant to be performance cars at all. No lyric owner is concerned about the handling of their vehicle, but same with e-tron, same with IX, same with EQE, same with Mach-E, same with Model Y. Those vehicles are not, you know, with the exception of maybe Mach-E, GT and, and Model Y performance, these are vehicles that are not meant to be canyon carvers or have really any performance cred but especially when you get up into the luxury ones like they don't fall apart when you drive them on a back road they at least can get around a corner and get through it pretty nicely and, and are competent at the limit and they have good damping and good control this vehicle had none of that it had zero steering feel it had so much slop so much deflection in the entire suspension system the whole car was just leaned over on the side and porpoising and you know i had esp off and it was still grabbing brakes i was just like i've never driven anything so unsorted in a spicy environment and, I, and again no lyric owner will care until they have to make an emergency maneuver or until they have to do something where they have to make a, a quick turn really quickly it does not instill confidence when you drive it hard um, and so that I thought was a really big miss because, yeah, it needs to be very quiet and comfortable daily driver. But but this really was all of that, except very poor in the performance category. And then I was kind of like, oh, it's really not going to be good because I remember talking to Tom about how he charged the Lyric and it was all over the place. But I plugged it into a DC charger and went from 33% to 80% in 20 something minutes. And it was very consistent, no shooting up or down anywhere. It just kind of got up to 190 kilowatts or so at 33%, which you know, it's got a pull pack voltage up, but it shot up and then it just nicely came down. So my overall impression was fairly okay on the car. I'm just pulling up my charging screen here so you we can get the data to show you guys. So 26 minutes, 56 kilowatt hours. 26 minutes and the interesting thing is kyle charged it on a, a, a signet electro america 350 station just as i did it wasn't the same station but it wasn't like he did another um another uh, network or something like that so now i'm, I'm going to grab that car again next week and i can i can rent it for the day and uh and and i'm gonna i'm gonna try to charge it on a few different stations to see if i can repeat it and i'm gonna even if it's possible kyle if you could did you record the whole thing or no, just uh, bits could, and pieces. But I, yeah. I can send you the bullet points where at least I did. Yeah, because I'd love to be able to map out what you did against what I did to see. See, you did thirty to eighty. You said. Yeah. So right. I try. I, what I really wanted to do was to kind of match your twenty to eighty test. Yeah. Um, but I just ran out of time and I couldn't drain the yeah. car more. And I had and to go so far. <laughs> it I, takes a long time to drain the battery. It, uh, yeah, so I just took it in the canyons and ripped it. I got like 1.3 or 1.4 miles per kilowatt hour. Uh, and I wasn't even driving that hard. So I thought maybe very inefficient. What did, what did it do at 70 miles an hour? I did 330 miles. Wow. Amazing. It was, so it just it, it, it was around three miles per kilowatt hour. Yeah, but it was yeah, perfect range condition. Kyle. It was like 70 degrees with no wind. And I ju it just kept going and going and going. So yeah, that's. I wish I had yeah. uh, remembered those statistics yeah. because you see, if I, I didn't no... have that huge dip at fifty-five percent state of charge, um, I, I, it sounds like what you experienced was if you look at the orange, my my twenty to eighty, it was the same as that except without that big dip, right? Yep. And it went, it kind of continued down. That's what you're saying. 
Yep. So, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, it wasn't too hot when I did it. I took, I actually opened up the hood and opened up all the plastic bits to let more air in so the fans could, 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 could cool it as best as possible. I was trying to do, I could to make sure there wasn't any type of thermal throttling or whatever, but that's what I did. So I'll grab it again. And um, I want to try to, to replicate what you got. Well, I actually, the reason I didn't record my charging session was I thought I was, you know, for the review, I was ripping it around and I was trying to drain the battery and it, the the charging portion wasn't really a part of the review. It's like, let's just test this at the end. Mm -hmm. um, but I was ripping on the car. Like I was wide open throttle, big brakes, ripping it in the canyons, like way harder than any Lyric owner would ever drive it just to try to drain the yeah. battery for this test. So and it should have been hot. <laughs> it, that's what yeah. I was thinking. I thought I would, it would have been too hot to do a DC fast charging recording. And I had set, you know, preconditioning manually for yeah. the entire drive to just try and have it drain energy. So yeah. that ran for like three hours. Every hour I had to keep kicking it back on. Um, so perhaps it just needed that much preconditioning time. I don't yeah. know. Um, overall, I can't gauge efficiency from my drive, but what I can say was the charging was, you know, I was just waiting for the dips and mm. the dips never came and it just, you sat great and it did a hundred kilowatts all the way to 80 percent then at 80 percent it mm -hmm. fell off i think it dropped from 101 kilowatts at 103 at 77 if you see here and then at 80 um at 80 it dropped to uh yeah 88 yeah well that's you can't complain about that it took me 40 minutes to go 20 to 80 and to me, that was un that's unacceptable for right. a, a premium luxury vehicle, um, you know, that had to get chopped down under 30 minutes is what I said. But you went 30 to 80 in 22. So, uh, you know, the, uh, I'm, I'm, 26, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, 26? Yeah. Okay, so I'm, yeah. 30 minutes, 20 to 80, roughly. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to say. You'd be close to that, 20 uh, 30 minutes, which is what I said it needed to do. It's not class leading. It's not impressive in any way, but at least from my test, it was acceptable. Looking at your results, it was unacceptable. I was yeah. like, wow. And yeah. so at the beginning of this video, um, I put in the route planner, like the, you know, the car has a built-in uh, Google thing. And normally GM gets this pretty right. Uh, when I just did Silverado, they had me pulling in at you know 10 to 13% state of charge at every station and charging for 15 or 20 minutes, something like that. The Lyric was trying to get me there at 70% at an Electrify America station. And then it's like charged for two hours. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, the charging must be worse than what even Tom realized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because it's it was predicting, you know, two to two and a half hour long stops inside the built-in route planner. And I'm like, wow, okay, well, Tom's test was totally act. This backs up how bad the charging is. But I went to the charger and it was fine. So I think mm -hmm. the trip planner's messed up. Either way, I think, Tom, you and I spoke on the phone. GM needs to build confidence with their driver base in making a vehicle that can charge consistently. And so that is something that Audi has figured out, which is a direct competitor to this vehicle. Mm -hmm. Used e-tron versus new Lyric. Yeah, e-tron has less range. But yeah. every time we plug in our e-tron, it is just boom, flat, 150, no fuss. BMWs that I've charged have seemed to be pretty reliable also. You know, and uh, you, you know I've talked about my, my experience with my Lightning uh rock solid charging I, I know exactly what to expect every time i plug in and that's what you need i i, I would take that over uh, you know uh, uh possibly charging a little bit quicker uh just you know what it's going to be from what state of charge and every time it just repeats 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 it never derates it's just boom a straight line pretty much so uh, that's what i think people need to to have to know how long it's going to take you can't take 22 minutes one day to get to a set point, And then the next time you plug in 40 minutes, that's, that's unacceptable. And I think GM has a lot of work to do still with their charging on all their vehicles. Uh, you know, they, they have the potential to do really well, but you know, uh, it doesn't seem like they have consistent charging schemes throughout the, you know, their, their product line yet with the Ultium. So uh, I'm not saying they won't get there. I, I, I hope they do in faster than, than, than not, but, I think they needs they they have work to do GM still. Yeah, totally agree. But you know, final thoughts on the car from my side are it's very quiet on the highway. It rides very nice at the compromise of performance, which most 99% of Lyric owners don't care. So, you know, that's that's not really that's a non-issue. Um, Super Cruise is amazing when you're on a pre-mapped road, but still no lane centering when you're not on pre-mapped roads. The sound system's pretty good. It's got the speakers in the headrest, it's got huge bass. Like I was pretty, pretty into the sound system, thought that was that was okay. 
Um, Apple Maps, when you plug it in, actually, you can turn the central display into the entire Apple Maps map, which oh, is nice. nice because the CarPlay screen doesn't really fit on the uh, central display. Uh, but then overall, I, my impression was I was just left with a little bit of a lack of quality. Mm -hmm. um, the, there were many rattles and not just one, but throughout the entire upper section of the vehicle, when I would hit a bump, when I would you know, sort of twist the vehicle over, it would creak and make some noises. And I was like, okay, this seems a little bit weird. And I was talking to Nebula, who is a, a GM expert, one of our viewers. And he's like, yeah, Lyric owners are complaining about rattles. You got to bring it into the dealer and they'll fix them. I'm like, this, this car is a hundred miles on it. It shouldn't rattle. And the forward collision warning kept misfiring and going off for no reason. And, um, you know, he's like, yeah, you got to bring it back in to get the sensors aligned. And, um, you know, he also uh, mentioned something I picked up in the review is, you know, the air vents sag when you hit a bump. Um, but he mentioned some Lyric owners have issues with their air conditioning performance. I did not experience that. The AC blew cold the entire day. And again, I was ripping on it. It was running battery cooling. No, no issues with the air conditioning uh, for me. So overall, my final consensus is if you want something nicer than a Model Y, a Mach-E, a Ionic 5, a, you know, you name it in that category, ID4, Q4, e-tron, this is nicer. Mm -hmm. But if you have an extra few bucks in the bank, go up for the iX, the Q8, e-tron, the Mercedes EQE, because you are getting a much nicer vehicle for that extra 20 grand, let's just say. Right. Um, but you when, you when you're in this like mid, you know, high 50s low 60s price point when you factor in tax credit um this is only a few grand more than blazer ev right so blazers like yeah blazer pricing came out this week and it's it's kind of kind of pricey it's pricey especially when you compare it to lyric or model it's like, y well, it's lyrics like a way classier vehicle than blazer right. yeah. so yeah. it's it has the impression of being more expensive than it is but there is cost cutting and you feel that in the car that you don't feel when you drive those, you know, BMW, Audi, Mercedes products. So that's my general impression so, of it. Yeah. How, how, go ahead, Tom. Scott, I was going to say, I, I, and after spending a good amount of time in the Lyric, I echo Kyle's sentiments there. Uh, I would, I would, I didn't drive it the way Kyle did. And um, I try to, to put myself in the, the position of like what the average driver would do with that vehicle. And as Kyle mentioned, I don't think you're getting a Lyric because you want a sports sedan. Maybe you want one on the weekend for once in a while, you know, and, and it probably isn't the right vehicle. You might want to then steer towards, like he said, an e-tron or something, but just cruising, I did the 70 mile an hour highway range test. It was super quiet. My vehicle had no rattles. Um, it was extremely comfortable, great sound system, super quiet, very smooth, ate up all the bumps and everything. Maybe that's at the expense of, of being able to toss it around the turns because the, the suspension is very soft. Um, but I will say he's he's 100% right with the interior materials. It's a little bit too plasticky. I, I, I wish it was a little bit more premium, but then now it's going to cost more. So I guess the the Cadillac designers they had to make decisions on, you know, are, are we going to be in? Are we going to be at 70 or are we going to be at 63? Uh, you know, in there we have to cut somewhere to make that happen. And uh, you, you definitely get the impression that some of the stuff was trying to look premium but mm -hmm. you know it was like you know uh, you know you tap on it and you're like yeah no that's kind of it, it doesn't have that premium feel but if you don't get in it and you just look at it you're like wow that actually looks pretty good right <laughs> but yeah. then you, you, you start feeling the knobs and stuff and it, it's not it doesn't it, it doesn't have that real like it doesn't feel premium but um I still like it. I think it's a good choice for the price. I think people are going to like it. You're not going to get that performance. It doesn't have that neck snapping EV torque that you feel in, in, in like a Model Y or something like that. It's not slow by any means. It's probably quicker than a lot of its combustion uh, it's sub, competition. It's sub, six it's sub six seconds. Yeah, but it, I mean, we're just so used to... Right. You know, oh, it's not under five seconds. It's a dog. You know, it's right. so right. stupid. True. Four, four it's, seconds actually. It's yeah. true um, because we get so used to that. But I, I, my experience with the Lyric was good. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to grab another one as I mentioned. I want to do some more charging to try to sort out um, how that. Uh, uh, it, if I was just an anomaly, the times that I got to charge it. Yeah, that's the final. If you're looking on YouTube, that's the final uh, uh, numbers that I had. 330 miles at 70 miles an hour. Um, you can't complain about that. The, the, the thing did well. If it could charge better, it would be a real 
road trip uh, beast, but uh, we'll see. Kyle had a better experience, but he also charged it for a shorter period of time. That could be, you know, maybe he needed to be, it needed to be plugged in longer for it to start doing whack, playing wacky, but uh, no, not really, because mine, I had problems before 26 minutes. So we'll see. We'll, we'll sort it, it out. It requires more testing. Also, yeah. we found, uh, I was watching All Electric Family, uh, our friends of ours who have a Hummer EV, and they noticed when they turned air conditioning on, the charge rate dropped to like 40 kilowatts. Oh. And then they turned AC off and it went back up to over 200. It almost wow. looked like the dip Tom had. So maybe it was like accidentally the car started preconditioning and just tanked it. Um, you know, who knows? But that's that's very indicative of what um, all electric family experienced with their Hummer EV. And yeah, just on the final note of uh, Lyric, my w- suggestion to them three years ago when they were coming up with this project, whether it should have been make the Blazer EV have the material feel of whatever is inside the Lyric. It could probably be even a little bit less. And then make the Lyric 10 grand more. Like make it a bigger spread and make the Lyric nicer. Right. It, it, is what like, I would want out of the car. Like how much money would Hummer you have to, EV tip, we're charging out. Uh, so how, how much money would you have to throw around to bring up the interior to what it should be? You know, like use actual aluminum instead of like... It's yeah. probably a few thousand dollars worth of parts content to really do it right. It's probably right. three, three to four thousand dollars worth that of much. cost. That's I mean, it's a lot. Still. But I think also like that's, if you're coming mean. out of a bolt, if you're coming out of, you know, some lesser car it's gonna feel like oh my god this is really nice yeah but, but if you're an e-tron driver like someone messaged me right. yesterday like i drive an e-tron i want more range should i get the lyric right. i drove it i'm like no you should get an ix yeah i mean it's hard to hard to argue against the ix i mean just, except for the price so i guess that's where the lyric could come in handy just you know just fill up that price niche for it. i don't know but it feels so much like like the genesis kind of level of you know, materials. I feel like it should be more than that. It's like GM's a huge automaker. Cadillacs are, there is a prestige brand, a luxury brand. The materials should feel like that. That's what I think, but we can move on. And it's actually the, the suspension. I was like disappointed because I didn't really drive it super hard, but I did do some cornering. I thought it did corner pr- pretty flat, and, but it, and it does have like five link suspension front and rear. So I think the basic elements are there, but it sounds like it needs to be, the suspension needs some tuning. It's fine until you get it leaned over. And then as soon as you start pushing it, but which the car had zero grip, by the way, like no traction. But I thought it was a great thing that had no traction because I genuinely don't think the suspension can handle more. I I mean, I'll show you. It's all on video. It went into a corner and it just kept leaning and leaning and getting all sloppy. And it was the least uh, it it almost drove like Hummer EV. Like it felt totally disconnected from the Mm. road. It, it almost drove like the tire pressures were like 18 psi. They weren't. I made sure they were all fine and everything was normal, but it just drove so sloppy. Um, I've, I've never driven something that's so bad in one category, actually. And then again, it's something that a normal test driver won't experience. It's something a normal you know car reviewer may not experience because sure. I was on a very hardcore twisty road that does stress the car, and I was pushing it you know up to 100 percent and beyond of its limits with oversteer and testing ESP calibration, but the whole regen drag control system, the ESP calibration, I thought was just poorly done. And I typically don't say that of GM. I'm typically very complimentary of GM's uh, chassis and, and controls tuning. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we don't have a whole lot of time, so we should move on to the next thing. Um, uh, let's see. You also drove a very interesting little car, a little retro something. Can you tell us about this uh, mini? I've seen, I saw it on your your socials this week. Yeah, we'll keep it pretty quick because yeah, it's real, quite expensive. Real quick. Yeah. This is a classic mini that's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. That's powered by a Tesla Model S motor, has a thirty-ish kilowatt hour battery pack from Electric Classic Cars. It's their kit, but then the whole car is perfectly restored and sort of modified and like has a really cool interior, but period correct from Gildred Racing in the Santa Barbara area. And it was a dream come true because I'm a mini enthusiast. I've owned six of them. I love minis. Um, And Tom's a mini guy as well and had an electric mini. And so this is basically a classic. um, And this was a 73, I believe, classic that was fully restored and then electrified. And it just blew my mind as to how much fun I had in this car. It was amazing. And so the video goes up today. 
Um, and it just, you know, 300 horsepower and something that weighs, I don't know, 15 to 1800 pounds. It right. was amazing. Wow. Just lit up the tires of, you know, anytime you floored it, it was just roasting front tires. It has a limited slip diff. It was so fast. It was so fun. Um, and it's just like, I would use this as a daily driver just to bomb around town in because it's perfect for that. It has a 6.6 kilowatt onboard charger. It, um, you know, it, it's air cooled, but we didn't overheat the batteries. We did get the motor pretty toasty, but that's because we were driving it way harder than anyone should have been as usual. Um, but it just, it took it pretty well. And I just had the best time with it. Right. So the classic minis are like a fun car to drive, like just in the regular petrol form with the, with the gear, with the standard manual transmission. Electrified, it sounds like it would be a blast, but um, yeah, $120,000 though. Whew. You know, for, for the average person, this is not their kind of car. They can only right. build a handful every year. Right. But for the mini collector or for the, the guy who wants, you know, has the McLarens, has the Lamborghinis, has the Porsche collection, right. 120 grand for a fully restored electric conversion classic mini isn't bad. And the big thing for this is what's the overall value going to be? Um, it's going to be much higher with Gildred Racing, in my impression, because they're one of the only ones selling a kit. Uh, to electrify these as like a real package in right. America right now, okay. rather than like going to, I use the example, like Ken's one-off battery situation that you right. don't know what the heck he put in that car. Sure. So, so your resale is a known quantity. It's the same kit. They're building, I think 20 of them, a run of 20. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty amazing. They didn't, there was no if, ands or buts. I just showed up. They hand us the keys and have a good time. And so, I was like, when, when someone does that, you know, they have confidence in, in the yeah. product. Good point. Hey, so you also drove the, you were saying you drove the Hummer SUV this week? I did, yes. The first edition Hummer EV SUV. So you've driven the, the pickup truck before, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. You were, you, were, you were in the first drive with me, I believe. Or right, the and, next and we had wave. it in Colorado and took it off-roading and took it that's, towing, did everything, that's, yeah. That's right. So how so how do you feel about the SUV? I kind of like it more. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought okay. it was even more nimble. It felt just mm -hmm. as fast, even though it's supposed, it has four less modules. So it's like maybe only 180 kilowatt hour, 190 kilowatt hour battery pack right. um, only. only. <laughs> uh, and it won't get the 365 kilowatt peak charging. It might do 300, 310, just because, it, again, uh, fewer lower, modules. <laughs> yep, fewer modules. But it just felt great. Everything about this I love. It's so stupid. It's so hilarious. It's so wasteful. It's so antisocial. Everything, I mean, it is everything a Hummer should be, but electric. And you just drive over stuff and you don't even feel it. Like, I think I ran over a Prius by accident, didn't even realize. And, uh, you know, just an amazing package i only drove it for a few minutes just after the lyric but i did make a quick video and just launched it roasts all four tires off the line it's so stupid everything is stupid about this but you I know actually, this picture we're looking at this yeah this i put screen. it in extract mode all the way up and <laughs> uh, it's on stilts <laughs> it goes so high um yeah i i truly love this everyone's gonna hate me for loving it no one cares about this car from right. our audience but right you just cannot have more fun behind the wheel of a tonka toy than this thing more smiles per mile that's what I yeah well, well you certainly don't get miles uh per <laughs> kilowatt hour yeah, yeah i mean i think i average it just was like pegged at one my yeah one one I, mile per kilowatt hour i think that's yeah. what the deal is yeah all right let's uh, talk about some news i guess anything else you want to talk about that you've driven this past week well i just did a, a 2500 mile road trip in the model s sure. i'm right in the middle of that uh took the plaid up in the canyon it's first time i've really shredded the model s plaid um, okay. and driven it hard in, and a canyon. in a canyon yeah i've had yeah. it on track which you know the car is definitely very fast on track in a straight line and mm -hmm. um, has needed some improvements but uh, I think Tesla's altered some of the suspension calibration and software updates for track mode where Model S Plaid can hold its own on a back road. I drove three Plaids, actually, uh, you know, all with different braking systems and, and compared them all. And um, it seems like a, a brake booster brace does worlds of a difference to stop the brake pedal from feeling squishy. Um, so, yep, I drove a car with ceramics with, with the brake booster brace. I drove one with ceramics without. It was a night and day difference. My car has a big steel brake setup, which I prefer for my style of driving. It's also much cheaper. But um, 
yeah, the, I, I thought the track mode calibration was improved. The car's fast as hell. We had so much fun with a whole bunch of uh, people on the canyons, not on this particular drive that we're looking at here, but we also did have fun on that drive. And yeah, Model S is, is just the best road tripping car ever. However, it is literally falling apart mile by mile. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. and yeah. Like every new hour, a new rattle forms somewhere. And now I have this clunk and creak from the whole front end whenever I load it into a corner. It just goes clunk, 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 and like, whoa. And then the back seat latch rattle came back, even though they already fixed that. And then I have a rattle in the trunk. Then I have a rattle in the headliner. And so then I turn up the volume and the bass hits another rattle next to the subwoofer. So I'm just going crazy. Listen, I need to put like noise canceling headphones on driving this thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, okay. Interesting. Um, okay, well, I don't know what to say about all that, but let's just move on because uh, not tons of time. So, uh, big news this week: Tom Tesla created a secret team to suppress thousands of driving range complaints. This is out of Reuters. They did a big expose thing. Uh, tell us about this. Uh, there's a couple issues here. I, I believe there's like optimistic range calculations about fifty percent, and also the suppression of thousands of range complaints. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so first I want to say that these are just allegations. We, right. It's not, it's not fact. Evidently Reuters spoke with um, at least one person from Tesla. I, I would imagine they, they spoke with more than one. I would expect a, a news outlet like Reuters to make sure that they have uh, uh, verified any type of claims like this with more than one person before they'd run with such an explosive story in my opinion i'm surprised it hasn't gotten more coverage to be honest with you so i made a little video on this and i broke it up into three parts actually uh the fact that um tesla vehicles can't achieve their epa range rating number one number two the fact that um the, uh, according to these allegations uh the early on uh, tesla created uh software uh for their range estimator that was inaccurate, purposely inaccurate for the first, from 100% down to 50%, it was intentionally designed to show greater range than what the vehicle knew it had in it. Um, right. And then at 50%, from 50% down to zero, it would, it would, self, it would slowly self-correct. So by the time you got down to zero, it was where they wanted it to be displayed at zero, and then they would leave approximately a 15-mile buffer after zero so um so that so, so basically what you're saying is what they were displaying they knew was inaccurate okay so 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 that's claim number one claim number two is that about two and a half years ago i think it was sometime in 2021 they were getting so many people bringing their vehicles in for service or creating service appointments be, because the vehicle couldn't achieve the range it was supposed to it was a claim to achieve or that you know they'd get in their car their range estimator would say 310 miles and then they'd run out after driving 210 miles a, a dramatic difference you know which can happen depends on how you drive where you're driving and all that so what happened was tesla rewrote the software for their app and whenever a vehicle um uh, had a service appointment with the word range in it it flagged that service appointment and that service appointment then got canceled and they had they created a team they called it their diversion team they brought a, a group of people together put them in an office in nevada and basically said you're going to call all the customers that made these uh, appointments based on range you're going to tell them that you ran a remote diagnostic of their car and there's nothing wrong with their car it must be their driving is is the problem so but the, here's the kicker they never ran remote diagnostics of the car now yeah. i know in most instances they were probably right there was nothing wrong with the car it was yeah. just the fact that for whatever reason the car is not going to be able to achieve the range the range rating and uh you know that's it but i'm certain that there had to be a certain percentage of vehicles even if it was 0.5 percent that actually had a physical problem with their car because this happens, you know, there's cars that have battery issues or whatever. And, and those people, they never got their car checked. They were just told there's nothing wrong with your car. It's you. It's not the car. Learn how to drive more efficiently. And that to me is the most egregious claim. If it's true that, that people were making service appointments 
they were getting called and said, we've canceled your appointment. We ran a remote diagnostic. There's nothing wrong with your car. Learn how to drive better. And, and they n never, in fact, ran at least run a remote diagnostic, you know, first before you do this. So um, so, so th those are the, the, the three big things. So I made a video and I talked a lot in the big 15 minutes on EPA and how the range is calculated and how, mm -hmm. you, you know, th there's like and I even said, look, I'm going to give Tesla a little bit of a pass on this because every I've driven pretty much every Tesla made, including the Roadster. And I can achieve the EPA range rating on every single Tesla ever made if I want to. If I drive slowly, if I so so, it, you know, but that's not how I normally drive. But I'm right. going to give them a little pass on that. Now, recently, you know, the EPA now is making Tesla derate the range on six of their vehicles by three percent. Okay. They're making them reduce the uh, the the EPA rated range on okay. six of the. This is this is kind of new. So um, uh, so so they are realizing that there's something a foul with maybe the way Tesla has been submitting their EPA range ratings. Now we know that the automaker does the EPA range testing themselves. They then right. submit that to the, to, to, to the EPA and the EPA typically rubber stamps it. Uh, they review it and then they certify it. every, every few vehicles, like they cherry pick certain vehicles to test themselves, but they don't test most of them. They don't have the funds to test all the cars. So the automaker tests a car. Most people don't realize that. Most people think that the EPA tests them and certifies like the uh, insurance industry crash tests the cars. Right. They would assume that the, the, the EPA range tests them. They don't, the automaker does. And then the automaker is allowed to choose whether they want to do the five cycle or the two cycle. Most mm -hmm. automakers, um, uh, many of them at least run both tests and whichever one has a better response, better result, they use that one. Like Tesla, for instance, in one year, I think it was 2019, they had like six different versions of the Model 3, okay, that with different wheels and performance and rear wheel drive and all this. Uh, two of them were certified using the two cycle system, but four of them were certified using the five cycle system. So that tells you that they're, 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 they're choosing which one to use. Gaming the system, some might yeah, say. And, and kind of give, but it is, that's the system. That's, That's right. Right. You, you, nobody says you can't do this. We right. need a new system is what we need. You mm -hmm. know, there needs to be a completely new EPA test done. This is an archaic test that was never even designed for electric vehicles. So this is what I did. I went and researched every year since 2012 and listed how every vehicle was certified, depending on which test, the two cycle or the five cycle test. And you notice in the earlier years, almost all of them were 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 were, were two cycle. But now, later on, uh, more and more vehicles are being tested with the five cycle test. Specifically, if the vehicles have heat pumps, because if you have a heat pump, it benefits you to use the five cycle test because then you only have to discount the range at the end your findings by twenty three percent instead of thirty wow. um, percent. And 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 it also the the. The five, the additional three cycles are are mostly about, um, you know, heating and air conditioning and cold soaking the battery. So the more efficient uh, heating systems, you would want to run the five cycle test. But nobody even used the five cycle test until 2014. I think BMW was the first uh, company with the i4 to to actually certify with a with a five cycle test. Before 2014, every EV was was certified using the two cycle. So it's just convoluted. It's confusing. It allows people to to gain the system. It's kind of like gerrymandering with with with, uh, you know, voting uh, so districts. So we need a new system to do that. Mm -hmm. So let's put that to the side. I'm, I'm yeah. talk too much about that. And, yes. and then the two other issues are, did Tesla develop software that intentionally lied? Like it would show you had 77% of your battery left when you really had 70%. Um, from the hundred down to zero, and and the the person, the 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 people or person or people that Reuters talked to said that this was a direct. Both of these were directives directly from Elon Musk. I think we would all believe that was the case if this is true, because I right. think he kind of rules with an iron fist. And he's a micromanager. If, if, right. if this was going to be done, it was going to be at his directive. I don't believe anyone thinks that if this is true that employees were doing it without Elon knowing about it. Oh. You know, that was kind of like. Steve Jobs had to know every single detail of what was going on with Apple and approve everything. There's no way something like this could have happened without Elon being the one that 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 either had the idea or rubber stamped it. 
So, um, so th that's number one is the range predictor uh, is, is, is inaccurate. Number two, which I said is, is much more damning, if it's true, that they literally set up a secret team in an office and the employees were told for every vehicle, that for every uh, appointment that they canceled, they were saving the company $1,000. And then they had a xylophone in the office and every time someone canceled the service appointment, someone went over and went like, ding, ding, ding. So, and, and everybody like cheered, like they were like uh, uh, cheering that they were canceling people's appointments one at a time. Um, if this is happening, it's, it's egregious. I think Tesla should be punished severely for it if this is, what, if this is what's happening. And then I go into something, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I have to mention it in my video, which I, I haven't seen anybody else mention. So you, we know we have this big war about direct sales and, and dealerships and, and purchasing vehicles with dealerships. States, one at a time, are fighting back. The NADA is fighting back. Dealership lobbies are fighting back. They don't want to re release that, that, that you know, death grip they have on all of the vehicles have to be sold through dealers. Uh, you know, Ford is trying to break that now. They created Model E. Florida just came out and is basically not going to let Ford do that in the state of Florida. So I think we're going to see other states do that too. They're, it's it's a war. The dealer lobbies are strong, mm -hmm. and what and you know I've I've very close to this because I've been working with dealers. I've been working with the dealership lobbies, you know, I, I, for years with my training. A lot of my training was funded by them, and I had to kind of sit there and bite my lip when when they would talk bad about direct sales. So and they always use the argument that we cannot allow direct sales because the automaker is going to be a bad actor. The automaker is going to do things to, to, to harm the customer and you won't have a middleman to fight on your behalf. The automaker is going to lie to you. The automaker, if, if you say there's something wrong with your car and, and you're dealing with somebody in Silicon Valley in a big ivory tower, you, you have no recourse. You can go to your dealership. You can point at your service manager. You could say, Jim, I've been buying eight cars here. Get this goddamn thing fixed now or I'm never coming back here and buying another car. You, you can't do that with an app when you make a service appointment yeah, and say, sure. my, my range is bad. And then someone calls you and says, you know what? Right. <laughs> which, is, which is what's happening here. So if this is proven true, in my opinion, it's going to hurt the direct sales push in this country. We're giving the dealer lobbies, the NADA, a tremendous amount of ammunition to say, look, we were right. If you let these companies sell you cars directly and you don't have a middleman, the consumer is going to be harmed. And, and I'm telling you, this is going to hurt direct sales. If it's, prove, if it's proven true, this is, going to, this is going to hurt direct sales. And nobody's been talking about this. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting argument. I mean, people will argue back. I think that, you know, uh, dealerships create their other other friction points, but they do. Know, right. But this they is, do. But, but you do make a good point. And, I'm just saying it's giving ammunition, Dom. I'm not making oh, yeah. the argument that we shouldn't do direct sales. I want to have direct sales. I want to have both. I want to have I want to have to choose how I want to buy a car. I'm just saying we're giving them ammunition right. unnecessarily. It's a self-inflicted wound if this is true. Right. So I have some experience. I have not. Okay. I have not followed this story at all until right now. This is the first time I'm really hearing about it. Okay. And I have direct experience with all of the above. Oh. oh. So this is amazing. Not amazing. It's sad. Yes. I have noticed that in every Tesla I've tested, they, I guess, derate faster in the first bit of the, the uh, discharge curve than in the second bit. And I've even mentioned this in out of spec videos for years that right. we've seen this. So this is not new. Uh, part of it's because of course there's a buffer at the bottom at zero. So they account for the buffer at hundred percent. Then I think as you get closer, they get to zero and they leave three kilowatt hours, roughly 15 miles below zero. That all makes sense. So that, that seems based in some sort of logic, whether or not that's a bad thing or a good thing, I don't know. Uh, but, but ultimately they have a non-linear discharge curve displayed to the user, at least maybe in the brand newest software update I haven't tested, but for years that's been the case. The second point Tom brought up is the range concern. Some of you may remember I did a battery health test on my Model 3 performance maybe a year ago. And it came back at 3% health, right? Which is a big alarm. Like what, what is so broken? And, and the range had gone to crap. 
like the efficiency had dropped the the range of the car had dropped the usable energy capacity of the battery pack seemed to have dropped more than normal and then i did this battery health test and it showed three percent so i'm like something is up i put in a service request in the app and i got a call first time i've ever gotten a call from someone at tesla it must have been from this room and it was them just basically saying hey cold weather affects it all these things your car's fine and i'm like no i just did a battery health test it shows three percent i've also noticed about 11 percent degradation in my testing and they're like oh no 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 wait you're good so exactly what tom had described is what i went through and i had to push this guy really hard to be like dude we're here's the video link like we did some testing whether or not it's a range concern or battery concern or something, there's something up with this test. Either your your battery health test is wrong, built into the car, mm-hmm. or my car has an actual issue and you're just trying to blow me off. And I'm like, well, it was right at the end of my battery warranty. So I'm like, I really wanted them to admit that either their test was wrong or the car was broken before the warranty expired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the biggest pain in the ass trying to get this guy to dig into my car. He just did not want to touch it at all. And it took multiple phone calls and multiple requests for service. My local service center wanted to help. They're like 3% health test. That seems terrible. Schedule appointment, bring it in, right? But I couldn't just bring it to them because I have to schedule it with their headquarters team. Mm-hmm. And right. so I'm talking to my local service center and they're like, we want to right. like, we want to scan your car, just schedule it and bring it in. I'm like, I cannot schedule this to you. It is impossible for me to schedule for you to look at it. And finally, I forget how many weeks it was after me just like really hammering these folks, someone logged into the car and someone got back to me and said that their battery health test had a bug that showed 3% health. And okay. so I was like, oh, okay, well, there's your answer. Great. Why couldn't you just tell me that, you know, weeks ago after all these questions? So those people had no knowledge. They were just hired to be a buffer to get you to, to give up. And because you're Kyle, you wouldn't. But they, think about the average person who just bought his first EV. Right. No, so, I know. And I agree that 99% of their range concerns would be folks not understanding that the car is rated range, not gasometer, and that, you know, yes, you're not going to achieve the, the right. range that it states. We're all, we've all driven Teslas for years. We get that. But like, I was like di- totally sort of tangent concern, different concern than my car doesn't go fast enough. I understand degradation. I understand these things, but I have a health test that shows 3%. And they just were the most annoying. I've had a great Tesla service experience aside from this. Truly, this was the big issue. So I don't mean to complain or add fuel to the fire in any way, but that was my experience and it was not great and right. uh, totally correct on the, the nonlinear discharge curve. So there definitely is something, some some conversation and some truth baked in here. I'm not sure all 100% of it's true and, and they're tapping the xylophone, I don't know. But like, you know, definitely there's some truth to Tesla Um, You know, trying to mitigate their costs of managing their fleet of vehicles that they have to warranty, of course, Uh, and also for them to, you know, say that such a small percentage of those ever truly do have a battery issue. Um, You know, typically Mm -hmm. the cars will show a fault separate from a range concern if there is a battery issue. But like Tom said, it's a good feeling when someone doesn't understand the product or doesn't feel like things are operating as normal. It, take the time to, to explain this to them. Take the time to make them feel like you checked on the car. Mm-hmm. Actually check on the car in the rare case that there could be an issue. It, to me, it's it, that's the best way to get customer retention is make people feel good. That's right. it, 100%. If they would have just created this team, instead of calling a diversion team, you know, a, 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 a range academy team. And yeah, everyone that did, did range, had range in their service request, get flagged them run the diagnostic first, then call them and say, look, here's, here's the issue, Kyle. Um, you know, we see you live in Colorado, you know, you're probably driving up and down mountains. Uh, there's, 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 there's rated range and then there's real world range. And this isn't just Tesla vehicles. This is all the vehicles spend five minutes talking to them about temperature, about all this stuff, make the customer feel a little bit better. And then at the end say, look, and if you really, uh, after all this, you are, still not convinced that there's a problem, make a service request, we'll check your vehicle out. But you know, uh, you know, that's customer service, not this, imagine, I mean, if this is true, hiring and assembling a team just to, just to crush service appointments, to cancel them and, and just kick people, your customers that spent a lot of money on your cars, 
that are that are confused. They don't understand why the car says 300 miles and then they run out at 210. You know, mm-hmm. just take the time to explain this to them for Christ's sake. And you know, it's it's if it's true to me, I think they need to be punished badly. I mean, just if the uh, telling people that they did, did this you know check this remote diagnostic and then but not doing it that's like that that would be if it happened like that that's fraud and i don't know if the government's getting involved based on this report but i think they ought to you know at least look at it make sure uh you know people have to they have to be accountable but uh yeah we should move on real quick we don't have a whole lot of time today we can't do our huge a long lengthy show like usual we're going to keep it short this this week uh next week we might go a bit longer um but see we also wanted to mention a few things that we haven't had a chance to talk about we missed a week uh we unexpectedly uh, d- didn't get to do a podcast last week um but uh, seven automakers have united to uh, create a, a new high-powered charging network across north america and eventually canada and tom it's just really there's not a whole lot of information about we don't even have a name for this new network yet but you did a video on it so what, what are the really quick top highlight points okay so we have a uh, general motors honda hyundai kia mercedes uh, bmw and stellantis got together and uh they're going to create a new network it's not named yet we don't know what the name of the network's going to be uh they're saying they're going to install uh, at least thirty thousand uh dc fast chargers in uh in both urban and highway locations uh they're going to start installing the first location in uh the summer of uh 2024 next summer and you know it all sounds great on the press release uh, obviously the devil's going to be in the details and how they implement this they seem to uh, understand that reliability is key because they mentioned reliability a whole bunch of times and uh maybe you know lessons learned from some of the uh the, the problems we've had in some of the other networks out there will will help them uh, launch something that's even better. We hope that, and we hope that it rises the uh, the performance of all of the networks. But uh, for now, you know, you can look at it as half full or half empty. I've had a lot of comments on my video, people saying I don't have any um, confidence in these seven companies that they can, you know, together uh, put something out there that that's going to be more reliable than what EA has done so far. Um, you know, you could look at it half full and say, you know, we've got some more time now. There's newer equipment. They they have the uh, uh, the opportunity to see where there's been failures in these other equipment uh, manufacturers and improve upon that. So they're going to have some locations that are going to have like cafes. Uh, they're going to have, uh, yeah. Uh, y- y- yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, and the whole network is going to be powered on re- renewable energy. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to have solar canopies over all these stations because that's just not how it works, but I'd imagine, well, some will. Some will. yeah, some will, but, but, but I would imagine the majority of the network will be powered by buying like, you know, renewable energy credits or, or sure. some sort of a offset like that. Um, but, uh, that's still good that the whole network will be powered hundred percent by, renewable energy and all of the locations will have both uh, the NACS connectors and CCS connectors. Right. Right on. And there's going to be what you said, 30,000 altogether. Well, they, they said at least 30,000, uh, okay. you know, and, and, you know, hopefully it would mean that that's the initial phase. And if things are working well, they just continue to install them. Look, this isn't going to be the be all end all. Uh, but it's going to be another tool for us out there. It's going to be another, hopefully, like I said, this is what I really hope that they learned from some of the failures that we've seen on some of the other networks. You know, we don't know that. They could put out garbage. It could be worse than what we have right now. Uh, we'll see. We'll monitor it closely. Um, but, you know, hopefully they get a, a good group of smart people together and they improve upon what we have. And maybe we um, we, we get a little bit uh, better uh, service, better locations, better amenities at these locations. And, um, you know, now that adoption is really rising, uh, I, I think it's the right time to really uh, pour money into this. And I think it's a good move by, the, by, by these guys. But it all depends who they put in charge of this. Obviously, all seven companies aren't going to be uh, having daily hands-on uh, uh, you know, uh, managing, they're going to, they're going to like Volkswagen di- made a new entity with Electrify America. Uh, I would imagine that's what's going to happen here. And uh, all of these companies will have uh, a say in what goes on, but the the company that they start is really going to be the one running the uh, the show with this. Right. 
Uh, it's 30,000 uh, 30, charging points. Right now, according to the U.S. Department of Energy, there are about 32,000 publicly available DC fast chargers in the United States for use by 2.3 million electric vehicles. So that's a ratio of 72 vehicles per charger. So this is going to double that, but then we're going to have more electric vehicles on the road as well. So And more charges from other networks. I mean, oh, yeah, Electric America is yeah, right. not stopping. Right. EVgo is not stopping. Tesla is not that's stopping. So, not stopping, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, by the time, if this network does fully come to fruition, by the time they get their 30,000th charger in the ground, they'll probably be 100,000 charges from other from all the other networks out there that's combined. Good. So, you know, we're, we're on the right pace, but hopefully the equipment works. The government says we need 182,000 DC fast chargers to support 30 to 42 million plug-in vehicles by 2030. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of work, a lot of charges to put in the ground, make everything click. Uh, really quick, we're, we need to end really soon here. Uh, we need to talk really quickly about the Tesla takeover. Um, it was a big three-day event. Uh, Kyle, you were there. And you have a video walking everybody through it. So if you want to get like on the ground, see how it felt, what was going on, what was there. Kyle has a great video just walking around. But just quickly outline like who sponsored, what, what is this exactly? What's the point of this thing? Yeah, um, it's it's an event put on by a local Tesla owners club, Tesla owners of Silicon Valley. They hosted it in uh, San Luis Obispo, which is one of my favorite towns in the entire country. So I never turned down an opportunity to go to Slow. I think it's amazing. Oh, and um, it's just a really neat event. We we met so many viewers. So they have, uh, you know, I don't know the exact number of attendees, but a couple thousand, maybe a couple, maybe 1,500. It's This time it was a two-day event. So it actually didn't feel as jam-packed as years past, but it was spread across two days. And they had a bunch of notable speakers that joined. Um, uh, I didn't really sit in to listen to any of that, but I did, uh, I did have the opportunity to say some words up there. Um, which I thought was kind of funny because I'm like, you get my thoughts for free on YouTube. So get me out of here, basically. I don't know. But I really had a great time meeting all the other creators. We took everyone out to dinner, had a great time. Uh, All the creators that were left after the event, it was so much fun seeing everyone hanging out. We uh, met so many viewers there as well. So many, um, especially Tesla specific audience, but it's not just Tesla. There were Lucids, there were Rivians, there were F-150 Lightnings and Mach-E's and other EVs, Porsche Taycans, et cetera that were all there joining as well. So it was a really inclusive event. There were a few Tesla Roadsters, uh, original ones, which was pretty cool. And so, you know, it's just sort of a a gathering of EV enthusiasts in a field for two days. I don't really think there's any need to glorify it. That's basically what it is. Uh And uh, you, you stand outside, you get sunburnt for two days, you have a great time, you drink a lot of beer, and then you leave. And there's a lot of aftermarket accessories uh, available for sale. People pitching their wares, mostly Tesla related, but some other EV, you know. Yep. Yeah, lots of accessory companies. Those, I got to tell you, there's a lot of crap out there. There's a lot of crap, a lot of just cheap plastic stuff that people are sticking on their cars. I can't fully understand it, but right. uh, you call out a couple on in your video, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm just walking up. I'm like, well, I put this on my car and it broke. So, like, you know, it just like, okay, quality is something that needs to come to Tesla aftermarket, but there are a few very high quality companies, unplugged performance, right. motion wheels, the new aero wheels, few other like very high end products, but you know, just lots of little stick on stuff that just doesn't, it really makes sense for me um, to, to really talk about. So, yeah, like Tom's muted. Tom, just, Tom, what's going on? Chrome, that last picture with that car with the, the chrome fins on the side or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Not I hope, uh, if you're one of our followers, God, that does not look good, guy. Please. <laughs> you know? Okay, we're not here to judge. We're here to just, if you're into we'll your do car. Do whatever makes you happy. I know some people don't like that. I tinted the light bar on my lightning, but. Right. That doesn't do but, it for me. But this is not like the, like those little uh, stick-on little ports that you can get from the from like a parts store that may look like an old Buick. You know, I've on seen the... so many Teslas in California with these little stick-on things that just yeah. look like they're ready to fly off. It doesn't save weight. It doesn't improve aero. Like it doesn't do no. anything. But but whatever, I don't care. If you're yeah. into your car, you're cool with me. And and a car should be a, a canvas for personalization. I'm glad people have the opportunity to do that. And it was a really great, yeah, just all around fun time. Uh, like I said, other vehicles other than Tesla were there. So, uh, 
yeah, all good. Just one, one real, really quick thing that you mentioned that's in your thing too. Unplugged Performance, they've been making things for, you know, performance add-ons for Tesla for a while and some interesting interior touches. But now they're actually going into the police vehicle market and making, like, taking cars and turning the police vehicles, it looks like, right? That's, that's kind of a big step up. Yeah, so South Pasadena did 20 Model Ys with Unplugged, something like wow. this. That's amazing. Um, I think that could be a huge growth point for their business um, and other outfitters out there, especially as uh, to me, especially for city use, it only makes sense to have an electric cruiser. There's oh, no yeah. reason they need combustion uh, versions of these. Uh, right. And so, you know, let's just like find the correct alternative. Now I'm not convinced the model Y is the perfect cruiser, um, no. but, but it might be, uh, I, I just don't know. I'd like to interview some police departments and maybe bring one of these unplugged show cars over to them and get their impression. That could That'd make cool. some interesting stuff. That'd be cool. Let me Laser EV will probably be a, a good uh, cruiser. Yeah, it's just um, a little bit short. And I think they're all really liking this Explorer sort of high roof situation. Right. All right. Well, I mean, I think we have to call it a show at this point. Um, <laughs> this is a great looking car, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is their show car. The, the final police ones are going to be on the standard wheels, non-big brakes, stuff like right. that. Right, maybe like, I like those lights the, along the bottom of the bottom of the doors between. That's that's pretty cool. I've never seen that. Yeah. It just shows what's possible, and every police department can can choose the spec. But it's always good to have a maxed out show vehicle. Oh yeah, and I believe unplugged. This is owned by City of South Pasadena, um, which is why they're allowed to drive it around with the police. They just put out of service somewhere in the vehicle. I see. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, I guess we need to say that's the end of our show. That brings us to the end of our very first show, Negative Four. Uh, more coming up next week and in the years following. Um, if you have any questions or comments, you can leave them on our YouTube page or get in touch with us, touch with us on our Twitters and th or Threads account. We are at Batteries Included Podcast. Uh, if you like the show, please give us a thumbs up here. Uh, subscribe if you haven't done that already. Um, don't forget, you can find and follow our panelists on Twitter. Uh, follow Tom along me at Tomalog. That's with two M's on Twitter. Uh, what are you on threads, Tom? I am on threads, Tom. I think it's Tom.Malogany or just Tom Malogany, but I am on yeah, threads. Yeah, Tom Malogany. Uh, Kyle Connor is, uh, is, it's Kyle Connor on Twitter. And he's virtual Kyle on threads. And I'm Drive Electric with Dominic on threads. Uh, click subscribe and Martin, he's not with us today, but if you want to get in touch with him, he's at, at EV News Daily, of course. Uh, click subscribe, tap that bell icon for notifications, and we'll see you all again next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Ciao.